0: Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your full set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, it's still foreign to me. I'll get there one of these days. I'll, I'll get it smooth. I'll get it dialed in. It, it know you know abs-
1: think Keep thinking you're going to butcher one, but it keeps coming through like you're reading from a teleprompter. It's like nice and slow, <laughs> being very, very careful not to dance in the hot water anymore.
0: <laughs> I sit there walking uh, trademark. through my <laughs> Just like repeating the words, I'm like, full set, full set, full set, full set. Today, we're with Guth McGrath, our property portfolio growth specialist. Uh, for anyone who's listening to this and you're not on the newsletter, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your deets so Charlie can spam you with some nice, nice stories. Before we get started, let's cue Charlie's disclaimer.
1: It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I'm taking this name change seriously. When I was uh, making dinner last night, there was, you might have said there was a stack of plates and I was like, no, 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 Bianca, there's a set of plates. Set of <laughs> There is. That's a, so set a full plates. set of plates. <laughs> so we got that covered. All right, I'm all in on this. I take this very seriously.
2: <laughs> full now,
1: set. In the wake of actually taking something seriously, we shouldn't joke around too much on this episode because we actually have a guest with us today, Goose from uh, Dash Dot, and I'm Really excited to make this episode because my house has been carnage and I'll, I'll express why. I think Bianca is sick of me coming to her every day with a new idea and adjustment to our plan. I'm like, oh, what if we do this and interest rates go here and we could buy this property and we could start a new business. And I want to do a TikTok course. And I'm, I'm sure it's driving <laughs> her insane. And it's made me realize that one, I'm, I'm a little bit on the emotional wire here. Like I'm at the whim of if an interest rate rise happens or a news piece comes out or people keep sending me messages about TikTok ads and I'm like, I can see opportunity. And I don't mean I'm on the emotional journey from a ne- uh, necessarily a bad perspective. It's like you know interest rates go up. And I'm like, I can still get finance. This is a great time to buy. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, this isn't responsible. And I know you've done the same thing, Grant.
0: I know you've been doing the same thing.
1: I'm not just going to crap on
0: myself. <laughs> I in don't this do it. I'm one of those closet guys. I just don't admit it. You can admit it.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, this is the perfect opportunity to bring Goose on because uh, what I love about this particularly is Goose gets to see inside so many people's plans when it comes to property, not just his own, and then he also gets to see how they play out. So I love how he's got an insight into other people's plans and the trajectory of them, which is just really different than you and I shit-talking each other on making the next – thing. So Goose, welcome to the show. Can you please give us a brief intro and then we'll get into today's topic, which I think is really cool, which is
2: creating a portfolio plan. Cool. Well, firstly, I'm excited to be back. I absolutely love coming on uh coming on this podcast. I'm um, I'm excited by the uh the new podcast name change. I think it's cool. I think you know, we don't need to hang there too long. Well, I actually think it's a good move. I, I think, you know, sometimes sometimes life throws you situations that allow you to grow into something better. So I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's a good move. Um and I'm really excited to be back. So quick. 30-second uh, summary. So my name is Goose. Uh, as you mentioned, I run a company called Dashdot. We started it uh, nearly four years ago. We've uh, invested deeply in developing the best solutions in the world for finding the right property in the right place at the right time and now also planning and managing your property portfolio. The whole goal for us and the mission for us is to transform the way the world invests and to help as many people as possible to create a life of freedom, choice and abundance and that is what we do and that is where we put all of our focus. And that's why I'm excited to talk about this topic today.
1: Awesome. Now we do have to disclose, we do have to disclose Goose and Dash Dot are a sponsor of the show. Goose has also been the person that's um, played a huge role and guided me on my own property journey. He's my buyer's agent and Grant's also. And mine, and mine too. Yeah, absolutely. So we do want to disclose that we are uh, a little bit biased, clearly. Expect that. And once again, I'll say if you listen to a podcast with some biased people who love property and you make silly investment decisions, that's on you and i love your, from your podcast is you probably need help from a professional and it's not in property we're talking about
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> i love that exactly,
1: exactly. all right Gu, so let, let's go into it like is uh what is a portfolio growth plan from your point of view and like how do you think about it
2: yeah cool so um i'll probably come back to like what is a portfolio growth plan in a minute but i want to actually talk about like what the what the, pro- what the problem is because you touched on something just there at the start of the episode which was really really interesting right so effectively, you have emotions which cause you to think about, should I do this, should I do this, should I do that, should I do this, and try and pull you in loads of different directions all of the time. Now, what I have seen and the the kind of pathway we took as a business was first and foremost, let's work out how to make sure we can buy the right property in the right place at the right time. Because if you buy a dud property, right, that's not going to get you to your goals. But then, actually, we realized there's this whole other part to it. Because even if you did buy a good property, How would you actually know if you were going to achieve your goals or not? And if things changed, how would that need to change your strategy? And how could you have optics on all of that kind of stuff? And one thing that most uh, property investors, in fact, I would generally say most people, don't actually think about, but but I'm certain as I say this, you're going to start thinking about it and notice this in yourself. But because we have a huge amount of uncertainty as to whether we will actually ever create the life that we want, and if the actions that we're taking today are going to lead to that destination we want, you know, the life of freedom, choice, and abundance, the ability to do what we want, when we want, with who we want, all of that kind of stuff, there's always a little niggling bit of anxiety in the back of your mind where it's like, "Mm, I'm doing this. Is this actually going to get me there? How much more do I need to do? And there's this kind of like, you know, sub subconscious like, you know, buzz of anxiety that, that that I think everyone sits with and they don't even realize it, right? And so, what we have set out to do, and it's taken us a couple of years. So you know, a couple of years ago, we did the first version of um going, okay, well, how could we actually create a robust planning tool which would allow us to help design a property portfolio to make sure that we're actually going to hit the goal so we'd know what properties to buy, when to buy, why to buy them, all of that kind of stuff to actually hit the goal. We started in a very complex kind of spreadsheet format a couple of years ago. We've now invested uh, a ton of cash time and, and science and all of that kind of stuff to build it into a software solution and we're continuing to Evolve that too. Eventually, we're going to have uh, it's going to have AI in there, which will be able to magically design the um the the best portfolio for you. So, a portfolio growth plan is literally going. Where are you now? Where is it that you want to be? And exactly what is the constitution of the portfolio, your property portfolio, that you would need to have in order to arrive at your destination with the highest amount of speed and the least amount of risk um, concurrently and then having a platform where you can actually adjust things along the way because, of course, go back two years, interest rates were pretty different to they are right now and so how does that change the plan as you go? So this is the kind of thesis. It's like, okay, how do we actually give people the optics and the understanding and the ability to navigate this path moving forward and to remove that layer of anxiety that sits within every investor, every business owner and probably most people generally?
1: Look, I don't know what's going on. It's like I just had an internet dropout. But I tell you what, I was like literally uh, getting excited as you were talking then, Goose, because I I just (laughs) think this topic is so, so interesting because, and I'll ask, Grant, I'll ask you the question. This, Do you know a business owner right now that isn't going through immense change in business?
0: (laughs) No. No. Whether it's from financing to marketing to sales to operate, there is always a piece that right now especially that they're going through a huge amount of change.
1: Do you think that's appropriate? With all that's changing in the world, uh, let's, let's just pretend, and I'm, I'm, I don't have a crystal ball, but it's like, I suspect the next year is going to be different than the previous year. Like, do you Completely. think it's appropriate to make changes to make the most of this environment? <laughs> of course. <laughs> he- heaps. So if we're as business owners changing this stuff up so drastically in what I'll call our active businesses – How could that not have an effect on the wealth side of things, how we invest, the strategies that are right for us when we're dialing things in differently? And I just think this is such an appropriately timed episode to kind of dive into that at a bigger level. Now, I probably missed something you probably said while I was away, Goose. So I'll let you jump back in, and then we can roll into this episode. And yes, this butchery of a start will probably be in the recording. So welcome.
2: I think run. it should. I think it should be because it's more organic. By the way, I think it's. I think it's far better to have it have it raw and real. Look, I, I just want to point out something you made. A point that you made there. Like business is changing for everyone. A lot of business owners right now are having to rapidly shift their plans and go, oh my God, and probably a lot of them are feeling like, have I done something wrong? Like, oh my God, I need to shift. Things are changing. Maybe their cost per acquisition has gone up. Maybe their uh, maybe their operating expenses have gone up. You know, like all of these things and I reckon there's probably a lot of business owners going out there, out there going, oh my God, have I made a mistake? Is this me? But then all you need to do is look at like some of the biggest companies in the world, i.e. for example, Meta, which is currently probably going to do the largest tech layoff in history, right? That is a big company company that is well resourced with lots of advisors lots of capability to to, to plan ahead and do all that kind of all of that kind of stuff and the environment has shifted such that they are needing to make very significant changes right so this is something that's affecting everyone this is something um that that is really important that we all just understand that it's okay for things to change and where i think a lot of people kind of go wrong is they they maybe start with a with a general plan and then for an, in the case of a you know, property portfolio, maybe they'll start with a spreadsheet and they'll go, if I buy this property for $500,000 and if it compounds at the 30-year average growth rate of 6.8%, right? And and we just compound that over time, I'm going to be like rich in like 20 years, right? And they just do this like very basic um, kind of forecast assessment, but there's no way to stay accountable to that and there's no way to pivot and change that if things change over time, good or bad, right? So you don't have that optionality to understand. And one of the biggest things that... That uh, you know, business business owners do. I think that to be successful is to continuously reevaluate the strategy and continuously totally. reevaluate where you're at. You know, like doing it, it could be monthly, quarterly, annually. People do it at different uh, different uh, intervals depending on the speed of your business and how fast you're moving and how fast you're growing, and depending on your time horizon, right? And so, if you're moving quickly, you're probably going to need to continuously reevaluate your strategy much much more frequently. If, for example, your strategy with property is I've got 50 years. And so, like, it kind of just, you know, fluctuations and variations might not matter quite. And I've got loads of money. It might not matter quite so much. So, you can maybe, like, think about adjusting slightly less. But for most people, they don't have that um, that, that flexibility. So, you need to kind of think about what is my situation and how does this, how is this relevant to me? Yeah,
1: I love that so much. And I'll even say, like, when we're talking about adjusting, it might be favorably. Like, if you're a business that thrives in a uh, down market, this might be your time to lever up. And if you're a business that uh, needs to reserve cash in a down market because you've got to make it through, maybe you've got CapEx or something going on with your loan rates have gone up, this might be a time to adjust risk in the other way. Now, Goose, I'd love to ask this question. Of the clients you work with, particularly the business owners, what percentage of Mm. them are readjusting things now? Is this a conversation you're having with everyone? Is this coming up and where you're shifting ideas for a lot of people or suggestions? Or where does it sit for you?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. So we have only really uh, recently rolled out the portfolio growth plan uh, tool and service. So the last couple of years have been very positive. For anyone investing in property, so it's kind of been easy if everything's going good. Everyone's like, hey, we're all making money, and everything's going up, and it's all great." But we we knew that this wasn't going to last forever, which is why we invested so deeply in going. Okay, like, well, well, things aren't going to be like this forever, and how would we how would we have the optics? So what's interesting now, I think, is um is a psychology shift with people generally, and then. Coupling that with the optics. Now the optics work in two ways, kind of as you as you as you pointed out. You know, for some people, for some people, getting optics is actually an indication that they can continue to to, to grow and go faster. Right. So yep. so I give an example of I give an example of uh, one of our one of our clients. He um, I think we we bought him like five properties or something, and he, he his plan was to buy five properties in five years, and his goal was to get to like seventy thousand dollars cash flow or hundred thousand dollars cash flow in fifteen years or something like that. So we bought five properties in. 18 months. And he was like, wow, what do we do now? And this is before we had the plan. And we were like, okay, well, let's keep doing what we're doing. It's working, right? Because we, I didn't have the optics either. The, the optics didn't exist. Then we built the plan and actually it turned out that if he did nothing else, zero zilch, nothing else, he was going to achieve his goals in 10 years, not 15 years, which was awesome because then he was able to go, Wow, now that I can see what is possible, I can actually make better decisions, change my goals, think about how I'm reallocating capital. Does he even need to continue to invest is a really, really good question. Now, in the current environment though, and this was, you know, this is going back a few months now. In the current environment though, things are changing. For example, a business owner client of ours who has a significant portfolio Actually, you know, when interest rates were at their bottom, he had cash flows of around $100,000 coming out of his portfolio. Nice healthy portfolio going on there. Fantastic. Interest rates have adjusted. And he now only has about, I think it's like fifteen dollars to $20,000 cash flow in his portfolio. So we'll call it like a fifth of the amount of cash flow. So for him, that has really changed his strategy as well. Because in fact, he actually needs to think about, because based on his current situation, he actually needs to think about conserving capital a lot more because of his income sources. And so there's a, there's a, there is a big shift. And I think that we need to be able to plan through this. And I think that creating that ability to just understand not only um, what the current environment means, but also how to adjust psychologically as well as strategically is really critical.
1: I know and Grant's going to want to jump work. in
2: here and I'm sure he will, but I want to ask
1: how was his psychology after going from 100 grand to 20 grand? Did it rattle him or was he
2: okay? Of course. So he's actually okay and I think that this is actually a testament to the fact that he has been through He's the reason he's got the portfolio he has is because he's built and sold a few businesses, built from scratch and sold a few businesses so he has been um he's had enough capital to be able to build a property portfolio that can give him you know what he needs and all of that kind of stuff and because of that that going through all of that going through the emotional you know tides of growing a business and working through all these challenges and being in different environments i actually think it's built a level of resilience in him where he can actually be more comfortable with it and take a long longer term view and understand how to navigate it um that being said Right. That being said, if uh, if somebody wasn't prepared for that, or if somebody hadn't had the experience of going through those kind of um, going through those kind of motions, or if they couldn't see what the pathway out on the other side looked like, then that might be terrifying. Because you might be like, "Well, I've only, I had a hundred. Now I only have twenty. Does this mean it's going to go to zero, or is this mean it's never going to go back up?" But the reality of the matter is, and you know, like my personal point of view is that it's a really good time to invest. Right, and uh, the, the fact of the matter is rents are rising quickly. And so you could say, okay, today, and this is this is actually the point of having a, a plan, right? Because if you make decisions based on today's emotions, you can actually stuff up your future success. So for example, if... if Let's use that example. So the portfolio has gone from 100 grand cash flow to 20 grand cash flow. If he turned around and said, Oh my God, I'm going to go to zero. This is never going to work out. I'm just going to sell all my properties, right? And try something else. That would maybe be a bad decision. However, with planning in place, you can actually go, Okay, well, cool. How do we think rents are going to grow over the next few years? How do we think interest rates are going to go over the next few years? How do we think inflation is going to go over the next few years? And you can do some planning and modeling and go, Okay, cool. So this looks like it's temporary and it looks like in the next, 12, 18, 24, 36 months, whatever the case may be, I'm gonna get back to here. Okay, cool. So now's the time to be calm and do nothing, for example, versus freaking out, selling everything, and trying to, you know, switch to a different strategy, which is kind of what you were talking about at the start of the start of the episode, Charlie, that kind of shiny object. Should I jump here? Should I jump there? Should I do this? Should I do this? And every time you, every time you start and stop a strategy, you have a huge amount of cost, right? In property, everyone talks about the buying and selling costs but in business, for example, let's say you decided that you were gonna pivot from a service business to a software business, right? There's gonna be a lot of cost in that, right? So there's the switching cost, there's the capital cost, there's the operating expense cost, and there's the time, right? And so there's an argument to make that any time you change strategy uh, ad hoc, you're gonna be costing yourself a lot of money and opportunity cost, time, and actual cash. And so understanding how to navigate that because, you know, that, and what should you do with the time that you've got actually gives you the ability to go, okay, what do I need to do here? Do I need to just you know, sit and wait, chill it out? Should I step up? Should I should I re, uh, reallocate some capital from one asset class to another? Should, how should I navigate this? And so those those optics give people the clarity and the certainty that they need to be able to navigate this kind of environment.
0: And I love these, uh, this concept of a plan. Uh, Charlie, you and I run scenarios, I don't know, probably weekly, <laughs> maybe twice a week, where we're looking at, like we're not just looking at the upside of hey, if we ran this scenario, what is going to be um, the potential revenue or the potential profit on the other side? But we also run risk analysis, right? Which goes well. What if things happen? What if we lose these clients? What if the the environment changes? What if these scenarios happen? And it's similar to what you were talking about, Goose, with that gentleman who went from hundred thousand down to I think you said fifteen thousand, where if he didn't understand the well, what if, like what risk mitigation strategies do I have in place and can I ride that storm do I have enough buffers then he could be in a very different situation than he is right now as well as considering in on the upside so it's like this, uh, there was always this famous CEO at a utilities company in Australia that I asked him what he did and he's like I do three things I try to make a buck try to save a buck and I mitigate risk and that's exactly what I'm getting from this pro- portfolio growth plan
2: which is like it's not
0: just growth it's also managing the downside as well
2: yeah, 100% because like understanding how to allocate capital is really, really important, right? So, for example, you may have a – say as a business owner, you may have a savings rate of $10,000 a month, right? And you might be going, well, I've got $10,000 a month. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go and invest in more properties. I'm just going to keep going because that's good. I can borrow money, right? So, I've got access to debt, right? And I've got cash, great. I'm just going to keep going and buying properties. However, if you take the opportunity to have a look at your portfolio, maybe – a better decision is actually to just put your cash in offset for a while to mitigate any downside risk of the rise, of rising interest, interest rates, totally. depending on what your liquidity position looks like. You, you basically know, for some just described me. You
1: just described me. I've been on a race <laughs> to put money into. Pretty playing this, I'm pretty though. sure it's a silly game, Goose. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is a terrible game. Since interest rates started rising, I've made it my personal mission to outpace them. So I get mm. more money into offset accounts than the cost of the rate rise so that I feel I'm like beating the RBA. And to be clear, I am beating the RBA, but I've realized that may not be the greatest move for me. It is such a short time or short term horizon. So I will ask you, because I think this comes to it what makes a good strategy and plan versus playing silly games like Charlie's talking about here of just trying to outpace the RBA? But take that, Philip
2: Blow, while we're there. <laughs> so I think it really comes down to strategy, right? Because if it, like it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. Now understanding what you're trying to achieve is really really important and we can kind of we built a formula around that which I think might be helpful to people we can talk about that in a minute. But what is really really interesting and what you just said there Charlie is that you're effectively trying to beat the cash rate right so which is great right which means that hey, you're hey, going to hey. have there,
1: there was no trying in that and beating the cash rate
2: <laughs> okay you're beating the cash rate right <laughs> which means which means if you wanted to borrow from the vernacular of like a hedge fund or or something like that you would have positive carry versus negative carry right so like you're putting your money in a place and you are making more money off that money than if it was like say sitting in a bank and and good you're beating you're beating it fantastic and Depending on what your goal is and what your time frame is, maybe, maybe, maybe that is the right choice. But also, maybe that is the wrong choice. And this is where it gets really, really interesting, right? Because, you know, there's a significant argument to make. And this is totally situationally dependent, right? If you can afford it, then... You're probably going to get a significantly better return than just beating the cash rate by investing in more properties, right? So you would actually get a significantly greater uh, return on invested capital over time. And ultimately, on the right time horizon, you would achieve significantly greater cash flow advantages than just putting your money in an offset right now. But here's the thing. If you can't afford that, then you're making exactly the right decision. Because there's no point chasing a strategy or an outcome that you actually can't afford to do. And this is something that I see a lot of people make this mistake uh, of doing, right? So I'll, I'll use a property example and then we can talk about a better business example, right? Let's say that somebody decided they were going to invest in property because they wanted to create financial freedom, right? We'll just leave that as an open-ended term. And then they went, oh, you know what? Um, I hear Bondi grows all of the time, which it doesn't. By the way, that's a that's a lie. It doesn't grow all the time, right? Uh, but I hear Bondi grows all the time, so I'm going to go and buy a five million dollar house in Bondi, right? Um, which is going to be negative cash flow by, let's say, a hundred hundred grand a year. <laughs> if that person can't actually afford hundred thousand dollars of negative cash flow every year. Or if something changes in their situation, either in their work or their business, and their ability to to, to be able to support that $100,000 of negative cash flow every year changes, that could be catastrophic. They could end up being forced to sell. They could end up, you know, it could be, could damage their relationships. You know, you keep winding through those worst case scenarios. As you were saying uh, earlier, Grant, what is the upside? What is the downside? And can I, can I live with the downside effectively? Right. So the downside of that scenario is that if something went wrong, you'd be basically... You know, on a house of cards, if something changed in your in your situation, maybe if you had a kid or whatever, you could be forced to sell. You could f- sell it at a disadvantageous price, potentially lose money, and it's all going to be negative, negative, negative. And I've got plenty of stories of of people who've walked that path um and been unaware that they were walking that path because they didn't have a plan. Okay? okay. So that that kind of thing can happen. Mm. Oh, I'd love to put in two things here because this is where I've been a little
1: bit challenged in some of this. And I go, Where what is your view on this, Goose? Is like how do you discern when it's the right time to change strategy, right? Because in property, we're trying to play a long-term game, for example. So when do you go, You know, this has happened, it's time to, it's time to move. And then the second one I find out is like, I'll give you the example, which we've just used here, which is like, well, Charlie's putting money into offset accounts right now um, to beat Philip Lowe, versus he could be investing in property. Neither of them are bad options. So it's not like we're picking from lighting cash on fire and wasting it versus a good option, which, you know, good and bad is easy to discern from. But when you've got multiple good and potentially great options, how do you start to filter through that?
2: Yeah. So again, it comes back down to like, what are you actually trying to achieve, right? If you're singular, let's just say you're a business owner and you have sold your business, right? You've had a, a multi seven-figure exit, right? Maybe I had an eight-figure exit, right? But you don't have any cash flow. You have no income. You have no nothing, right? So you've got a big pile of cash and you've got no income. Then maybe the best strategy for you is going to be focusing on 100% on cash flow. In which case... In which case it's going to be relatively short term focused. It's going to be like, okay, I need to achieve a certain amount of cash flow by a certain amount of time and you're going to build your base and it's going to build your income. Okay. That's going to inform what your strategy should look like. Let's say you're a different, uh, different kind of business owner and you've built a, a, a business or maybe a couple of businesses and you've got tons of residual um, income coming in. The businesses, Let's say the businesses are all management run. You don't need to... So you've kind of like got your... You've got an income stream going on there and you've actually got significant amounts of capital or whatever. You may actually want to invest in a longer term strategy, which is primarily driven around, uh, uh, primarily more focused on on growth, for example, and achieve the cash flow goals on a longer term time horizon. If your goal is, um, if your goal is, what is the minimum amount that I need to achieve in order to never have to work again? That'll give you one thing. If it is, how do I... Uh, how do I create the maximum amount of generational wealth so I can pass all this on to my children? That would be another one, right? And so understanding that pathway is is the absolute first step. Like, what are you trying to achieve, and by when? Because that kind of that kind of maps everything out. Then it's what resources have you got to be able to support that support that vision, right? Because you can, you know, like a great example is Grant Cardone talks about. Um, how people need to think like billionaires and billionaires buy jets. And so he made this great decision to buy a jet. Does that mean that I should go and buy a jet? No, it doesn't mean that I should. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I thought about it, right? But but does that mean (laughs) I should go and buy a jet? Because what is the right strategy for him might not be the right strategy for me. For him, it might make sense from promotion and travel and speed, all of that kind of stuff but for me it might be catastrophic like i i i i could buy it and i could go bankrupt and lose everything right it would be a bad idea so understanding how that maps with not like where you're going and also what resources you've got is critically important now when things change that's where it gets really interesting because if you have got a clear understanding of where you're trying to get to and why that then allows you to choose what paths are going to still support that goal right and so and back back to the kind of point we were just talking about yeah, uh, two years ago, maybe the goal, for for example, Charlie, maybe the goal was um, keep buying loads of properties for the next. 10 years, right? Just maybe that maybe it was like, right, we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna to the moon, we're gonna go buy 20 properties. And maybe now the best solution is actually stop buying properties and put all your cash in offset, wait for interest rates and rents to normalize, and then go again. And this is where if you understand what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it, you can then make pragmatic decisions around what that adjustment looks like and why. And honestly, sometimes selling a property is a good idea. You know, like a lot of people say, like, I never sell, never do this. There is, I don't think you should ever have have never in your portfolio right because never is just going to mean that you're putting up roadblocks to whatever success pathway you need to take given the current environment you know like i'm confident there are businesses who said i'll never lay people off and then oh my god things have changed in their business and now they've got to lay a bunch of people off right if they said nope i've never going to lay people off in my business they could just like walk their way to bankruptcy and they've they've set the rule for themselves that they'll never do a layoff right but ultimately they've crashed their business because they haven't actually been prepared to have the tough conversations with themselves about going what is important here how do i actually make sure i achieve the strategy and the goal and why don't why am i trying to do it yeah
1: it comes yeah. up so I was much talking to a in gentleman. business and i
2: think we're talking over each other in lag
1: so maybe i'll just i want to go anyway yeah. let's just roll with it it comes up like it's so universally true in business and in property and it's it comes into both massively because people don't pick good goals in business, and then just kind of always chase like some sort of accumulation or more. But it's like trying to sell versus trying to produce cash, very different. And then it applies here as well. And I love that concept around, if you're fixed in not selling a property, it's just you're making whatever the environment is harder for you. Because it could be the perfect time to do that. So you've got to be open-minded to that change, which that fixed mindset can really uh, challenge people. Now, uh, Grant, I'll kick over to you now. It is probably me on this tether connection
0: doing the lag, so I apologize. Jump in, man. It's all you. No, but uh, to riff off, off that point, one of the things that, as goose you were kind of explaining that, that I just kept coming back to was, and to use your situation, Charlie, of like, now I'm stacking the cash, like, is this the best strategy or is buying more the best strategy? I th- I think, Goosh, you hit the nail on the head, which is like, what is your long-term game? But then also, how does it, your decision right now, impact it based on what you're feeling or what you're willing to do. So for example, Charlie, if you're, I don't know, taking more risks within a business, well, of course, stacking cash is completely fine. The liquidity is going to be the thing that helps you wake up at night, no, uh, go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning, be motivated so that you're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm fine with this. Where imagine if you were piling it all in property, making big risks in business and you're sitting there got two risks on both sides of going, well, I'm I'm going to be impacted by the property market and I'm going to be impacted in whatever the, whatever the business does. I think that that business, because we're all business owners, that layer on top is such a large consideration. Is like what what do I have in business from a risk perspective, from an earning perspective, and how risky is that in the current market to what I'm trying to do outside of the business? So actually having those two goals sort of running yeah, at the same I'll time, go even deeper the consideration on that one. Oh. for me is key.
1: I'll put it in there as like the thing for me that I'm really looking at is I am of the view and this is not financial advice is that buying property right now is a good idea. Not financial advice. That's my view. I see low vacancy rate, 200,000 people coming into the country. Seems like a supply and demand is about to happen. My view, I'll take that on as my own. I have to specify that because I don't want anyone to get into trouble because they listen to this podcast. My other view is that hey, if you take a lot of risk and you end up in a position to wipe out, you don't get to play a long game. So if you buy too much property right point. now and pull a Keith Cunningham, <laughs> way too over-leveraged, lose it all, well, then that's counter to the goal as well. So balancing environmental opportunities versus what's appropriate risk versus anything that could happen in business. And that is the thoughts that are going on through myself right now.
2: So it's a very interesting game. 100%. I, I'll I'll just touch on that because I'm I'm in the same boat, right? I'm obviously exposed to property all of the time, but right now I am assessing like the 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 risks, right? Like property is great and everything like that, but it's also like the macro environment is different. And so I'm making different decisions about investing in my own portfolio versus yep. um, conserving cash, but um, and and managing risk. And like so, for, so for me, actually, it's a time to it's actually a time to focus on other things. I'm focusing on business a lot right now because that makes more sense now i'm in an advantageous position to know that it like to buy good properties whenever like it's not it's sort of situation dependent so we can we can always find a good property so i don't feel this um this kind of like urgent like oh my god if i get if i don't get in now i'm gonna i'm gonna miss out but it is about making those educated decisions or those informed decisions about what is the right move and i'll just touch on a, a quick example as well so we uh a client that we work with been working with for years he um, bought a property um in a certain place, negative cash flow, but he bought it because he could get the first time under grant. grant. Strategically, it made sense. He did it up, right? He's lived in it, but now it's holding him back. Now he can't get any finance because of that property, right? And so he is there making it and, and also we then, we've got predictive models and stuff in the background. So, we were able to look at it and go, well, that market actually looks like it's not going to perform very well over the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months. And so, then we did an opportunity cost assessment. And as a result, and, and risk assessment and all of that kind of stuff versus, versus what he could do, he's actually now selling that property, um, getting the capital out, and then he's going to repurpose that into other assets which are going to give, get him closer towards his goal faster. So, just a little. How hard was it to get you to have that conversation with someone? Because, we're Australians.
0: We get so tied to our houses, <laughs> like we get like we're emotionally connected to these things. It's a extremely sort of I don't know mature sort of person that sits there and says, "Hey, like I'm I'm completely down with this." Um, we were talking about this formula before we sort of jumped on. Did you just present this formula to them and
2: they just said, "Yep, that's it. That's <laughs> this house is now holding me back." No, um, no. Specifically, that guy is in his like I think mid twenties. And yeah. super, pra- super pragmatic, super pragmatic. He's just like, yeah, cool. Like what, like whatever. He knows what his, he knows what his goal <laughs> is. Um, And he's got, he's, he does have a retirement goal and he's like, is this is getting me closer or not. Like he's just like, How you know, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a Full killer. Spock he's good, brain. He's
1: Full Spock brain. I like it. Spock. Is, this spock binary? <laughs> is this getting me closer or is not, I, I envy those people. <laughs> All right. So let's kick over to this. Tell us if you, you presented Grant and I with this awesome formula before we start off, which you're calling your minimum viable life. And um, it was just mm. so enthralling that I think we really want to bring into this episode. Can you explain what it is and then
2: how it applies to generally the conversation we're having now? 100%. So we've talked about setting the right goals, right? Which is really, really uh, important. Like what's the strategy? Because you can't have a strategy without knowing where you're trying to get to. That just doesn't, those two things don't, don't, work you have to actually understand what are you trying to achieve and why if you're starting a software business is it because you want to um build a billion dollar company and, and you know like what like what is the thing and then and then talking what, what to the, the goose this yeah is good. <laughs> what and what act what activities and what you know what pathway would lead to creating a billion dollar company versus a a one million dollar company right and so so that understanding where the endpoint point is, is is critical now the end point can be whatever you want, <laughs> right? And then how you get there is is really interesting because I know people, you know, don't know them personally, but I, 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 I look at people who have made hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate in a pretty short period of time. But the thing is they've had to have a specific strategy to get there. They've used a lot of other people's money. They've potentially done some developments, you know, all, of, all these kind of things, a different risk profile. For most people, the idea of investing in property is, and particularly for business owners, is to create wealth outside of business. Right? It's to be able to say, "All right, I have got um, not only a wealth base which I can which I can feel comfortable that I'm that I'm going to be safe and secure, but also an income strategy such that if I if something happened to the business, or if I got rid of the business." I would not have to rely on trading my time for money in order to get by, right? So you want to – typically, there's another income stream associated with that. So understanding what that looks like is really interesting because the most common uh, goal that people have is 10 properties in 10 years and $100,000 cash flow. That is like – I don't know exactly where that came from, but I've heard that specific and exact goal from – more people than i can even think about like it's crazy right so somewhere in somewhere in our um common psyche we've established this like 10 properties in 10 years and 100k, 100K income and it's like well cool so what's what's the actual goal then is it 100k or actually is it to get all your time back right because a lot of people a lot of people are in a position where they just want to be able to wake up and do what they're passionate about do what they want when they want with who they want, and. You know, if that is potentially there, they potentially could be the uh, impetus for somebody to start a business, and to know that their their needs are taken care of because they don't feel like they uh, have to race around and try and do whatever they need to do to make a start to get cash, right? And so there's all these different reasons for it. Now, understanding what that looks like is really really interesting because it might not be a hundred grand. It could be more than a hundred grand that you need, right? It, it might be two hundred thousand dollars that you need, and if you've set a goal of a hundred grand, then you're not going to be your strategy won't lead you to the right destination. However, maybe you don't need a hundred grand. Maybe you only need 50 grand or 60 grand, in which case maybe you can achieve the life that you want, freedom, freedom, choice, and abundance to do what you want when you want with who you want in a much shorter time frame. Maybe it's not 10 years. Maybe it's five. And so understanding that and understanding how you use the strategy to get to that point is really, really, really critical. So um, we actually created a formula to be able to work this out, which I think is super helpful if people can kind of set this on board, right? And the formula is basically this. It's your current living expenses, okay? And most people are like, how do I work that out? It's like, cool, just get your bank statements for the last three months, right? Add them all up, divide it by 3 that will going gonna give you an average living expenses for the last three months, minus any specific work-related expenses. So, for example, some people have two cars um, because they've got to go to different offices or one person's going to be out of trouble for work or the other one um, takes the kids to school or whatever. So, maybe if you didn't have to work anymore, if you didn't have that as part of your life, maybe you wouldn't need two cars, right? So, is that a direct work-related expense? Because the goal here is like how do we get to a point where we could wake up one day in our current state of living? in our current circumstance, and just not have to go to work, like not have to show up at all, and we'd have everything covered. So your current living expenses minus any direct work or business-related expenses that you could take off the table if you didn't have to do that or you weren't engaged in that anymore. So you kind of like – so let's say that you've got $60,000 in, um, in annual annual living expenses – so take you three months divided by twelve uh, times by twelve. Let's say you've got sixty thousand dollars in annual living expenses, and let's say of that sixty thousand um, dollars, ten thousand dollars of it is direct work related expenses, right? And so that could be the second car, it could be buying suits, it could be um, public transport, it could be any of these kind of things. We'll say that would mean that your actual cost of living minus your work related expenses is about fifty thousand dollars. Now, so now we've got that number, fifty thousand dollars. So current current living expenses minus work related expenses times by inflation to the power of how many years you want to take to get to your goal which sounds a little complex so if we assume that the inflation rate is three percent on average but use whatever number you're satisfied with because i don't really mind because it's about you choosing your own whatever number is the most suitable for you right so let's say that it's a three we average a three percent inflation rate and let's say that i want to achieve my freedom number in 10 years so if i had sixty thousand dollars minus ten thousand dollars of work-related expenses that's fifty thousand dollars times by to the power of 10, 10 years, that would mean that I would need to create a strategy that would allow me to get to $67,195 of free cash flow over the next 10 years. And that would specifically and deliberately inform how much resources I need to put towards it, what types of properties or what types of assets would I need to invest in to get to that destination. And this is really, and I think that this is really, really liberating. So I'll let you guys jump in there because I know you could probably want to talk about this, but I'm just going to recap. I'm going to recap on the formula to make it really, really simple. Okay. Current living expenses minus work-related expenses times by inflation to the power of years to goal equals freedom number. That's simple. I, I think you
1: clearly explained that. I didn't actually have a jump Got in at time. all. Grant, did you, did you <laughs> nail that? I'm like, the only thing that came to mind is Goose is clearly doing this for someone that doesn't have kids. Like anyone who's running a household with kids under fifty, well done, well done. <laughs> but of course, adjust <laughs> your own numbers. Well,
2: it's its suit. funny. But it, but it's it's funny that you say that, Charlie, because let's say that you do have, let's say that you do have kids. I've actually actually um, written down an example of if you do have kids, right? Because you might have kids now, right? And let's say, so let's say that you expect them to leave leave home in fifteen years from now. I don't know. Let's say they're maybe they're ten years old. No, I, I don't know, expect. Right? It, but I let's actually say you expect, expect to put them to work in, young.
1: In, they should cover themselves from a young age. No, of course not.
2: <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's say let's say you've got kids, right, and your current household expenses, minus your work-related expenses or whatever, are uh, 150 hundred and fifty k right? But let's say you expect the kids to move out of home I- within the next 15 years, and you've got a goal that in 15 years, that's when, like, you're kind of happy, you're on track, you're all good, you're not desperate to kind of sail around the world or whatever, but let's say your goal is in 15 years, then you would take your... Um, current living expenses, which might be say 150 grand, minus kids and kid like like specifically child related expenses could be school fees, could be whatever. Minus any work costs. Let's say for the point of this discussion that that's 50 grand, right? So then you've got I can buy okay, it's my total expenses minus 50 grand a year is going to give me 100 times by inflation to the power of 15. And so then you would be actually, because because if you're planning to have your freedom number at a point where you're not going to have those expenses, i.e. your kids, then you should plan for that too. And so you can start to think about how that maps, right? I don't know, you've got kids, so maybe you're thinking, okay, well, um, in 20 years, in 20 years, what is that going to look like and what number would we need then? And it's going to be very different from what your living expenses are today. So you can actually factor that in as you're thinking about it.
1: Can I ask a question I, on
2: that
0: one then?
1: I like that. Right, and so- by the way, <laughs> I just, you did it again.
0: And of worms now. Man. Okay.
1: I was just going to say you've suggested like a freedom number. Are you um, bringing that into the mm. idea that that must all come from like rental profit, from the cash flow of the property, or are you incorporating like growth into that number as well? Like how do you sum it up? Because I get that question often is like if I've got a freedom number, am I expecting to be paid that from rents or from growth? Like where does it come in?
2: Hmm. So, I would suggest that's from free free cash flow. Now, growth has a massive role to play in your portfolio, and it depends on what you want to achieve. And they don't have to be opposing forces, right? So, let's say, let's just say, using that same example, um, if we use the 150K minus 50K of work related to kids' expenses or whatever, and 15 years, let's say 15 years was the time at which you wanted to be able to do, you know, I know what I know, honestly, I know what age I want to be able to um, have like. To do what I want. It's not now. I'm not looking for it in the next couple of years, but I am looking for it at a certain point in the future. I know what that. I know when that is, and I know why that is for me. So most people have got this number. It doesn't mean I need to be financially free tomorrow. And some people are like, hmm, cool to be financially free in like 20 years. And so some people, it's 10, and some people, it's 7, and some people, it's 15. But let's just say that you've worked out your minimum viable life and it's in, you need to get to $150,000. That should be $150,000 of income that you receive right and so i would consider that to be from free cash flow now it doesn't have to be from a property portfolio but naturally that's my area of expertise so that's specifically what what i'm i'm talking about in the context of this it's like you know surplus free cash flow rental income we're all good that's going to be household income now growth has a massive role to play in it and i think that you can still create a you know, ten million dollar property portfolio of equity, um, and which is full of equity and full of and full of wealth, and also have one hundred fifty thousand dollars cash flow. They don't have to be opposing forces, and I think that's kind of like a mistake that people make. They think, oh well, do I want growth or do I want cash flow? So you can have both. You just need to think about how you construct your portfolio, what types of assets you buy, in what order, and why, and how do they support that. Um, I know there are a lot of people out there who, who talk about buying only growth properties and then refinancing the. Uh, equity out and and kind of living off that and look that can that can work but to be honest I think it's a it's a snake eating itself like I don't think it's I don't think it's a long it's a long term uh, solution you could do that periodically if you needed an injection of cash you could use the the growth that you've achieved in your portfolio to take a chunk of cash to be able to cover a certain period in your life or do something like that's totally fine but as an ongoing like a retirement strategy I don't think it works because me- effectively you're going to keep eating into your cash flow and you're eventually going to run out of borrowing capacity it's not going to make a lot of sense. But here's the other thing. Let's say that you um, decide that you're going to go for growth. Let's say you don't need cash flow for the next 10 years. Let's say you're like, I literally don't need a cent of cash flow from my portfolio for the next 10 years. But in year 11, I want 150 grand cash flow. Cool. So the goal isn't to get cash flow along the way. The goal is to get cash flow in year 11 which mean which might mean that you're that you focus on how do i get the maximum possible growth and and you know how do i get the maximum possible return in my portfolio which you're going to get a greater return in total on your cash from growth than cash flow then you might get to year 10 then you might go to the least performing assets or the ones that have already had their growth spell or whatever sell a bunch of them Pay a bunch of the other ones down, or put the money in offset, or w- whatever. Right, financially engineer that 150 grand in year 11, which is something that you um, wouldn't be able to think about doing necessarily unless you had a plan, because you wouldn't be able to see into the distance to see what that looks like and see if that's even going to make sense. Because if you've just got this idea that what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy 10 properties in 10 years, sell five, pay down the other five. Well, what if that was your basic strategy, but you didn't actually have a plan? And what if you? wasted 10 years to build a property portfolio with that idea in mind that that was going to give you what you wanted. But then when you did that, all that you actually got out of the portfolio was $70,000 in cash flow. All of a sudden in year, in year 11, you actually haven't achieved your goal and you're almost back at square one because you're like, "Well, I just wasted 10 years to not even get to where I wanted to get to. So this is, this is why having a plan is important because you actually need to be able to go, okay, let's scenario map. Does that make sense? Like this idea, the thesis that I've got, does that make sense? Will actually that get me to my goal? Or won't it get me to my goal? And and this is why I think it's having a plan is really important. I love the concept of like running enthusiastically in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like that's the actual thing that could screw you over because when, you, when you're when you looking at it and you're trying to actually get to some kind of destination, the things that you put in place could actually be the like the properties in your example, Goose, that inhibit your ability to actually go further, which means that it's it, at the at the same time you might have made that decision back at the time when you had the information that you had but now 2 years 3 years 5 years 10 years after that it doesn't matter it's just a, that asset is now just a component whether you're going to sell it down improve it or whatever mm-hmm. to get you to that further goal do you have one question like i like your mvl i'm calling it the minimum viable life formula when you look at that do you find that people sort of set a Uh, sort of a first goal which might be the minimum viable life and then they say well what about an abundance goal so it's like this is what i need to survive and then once i've achieved it i'm then going to go for something bigger uh, which might come back to your point around everyone trying to get a hundred thousand dollars worth of cash flow might be the first step that they see and then it's like "Well, how far can i push this after or is this something that's like set and forget and then just run hard at it
2: no, 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 not at all. I think it's about working out. Like I like to think about it as like, what's the? You know, people talk about fu money, right? Which means different things. To, which means different things to different people. For some people, fu money is like, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they want to be able to, like, you know, cruise up in a Ferrari, wearing loads of gold, and tell their boss or whatever to, I'm out of here, or whatever. But realistically, the, yeah, the, the 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 ability to wake up one day. And just have choice. Just just imagine for a minute if you could just wake up and be like, I don't need to do anything. I can spend time playing with my kids all day long because I'm cool. Like in my current state of existence, right? If I woke up in the same house, if I ate the same food, if my kids went to the same school, if I wore the same clothes, would I wake up and would I be happy in my life because I'd have all my time back? Because time's ultimately the most valuable resource we've got, right? So that's usually, I like to think about that as the, the exit number. That's the point at which you can go, all right, now, I'm doing this for choice. I know, I know personally. I know personally. Um, in the last couple of years, that happened to me, right? For so I, you know, we were. I, I realized that we were at a point where we could, if we wanted to, uh, make decisions, which would involve, you know, selling things and whatever. We could make decisions where we could just like literally go, "Oh, okay, we don't need to work again for, for like forever." And at that point, I was like, "Well, it's not really about that, is it?" Okay, so what do I? What is it I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? How do I, like, what's, what's important for me? What, do I, what am I passionate about? And so getting to that point is really, really interesting because that changes the game massively. Totally. And so when I think about the minimum viable life, that's really what it is. It's like, okay, what's that, what's that baseline that if you didn't have, like, a world of luxury, if you didn't have, go and buy fancy, if you just like, what is your life right now? And if, if that is all you could do and just not actually have to trade your time for money in order to achieve that, that would be a great starting point. And then from there, then what is like, then what is, like, how do you optimize from that? And going back to um, the example you used earlier, so one of our clients, Peter, who we'd bought five properties and, you know, we actually, and then he realized that actually he didn't need to do anything to achieve his goal. It was like, I'm going to hit his goal. He then adjusted it. He's like, oh, then that's awesome. Like he was like so liberated by the fact he's like, but I'm only like two years in. Imagine what I could do if I keep pursuing this for another three, five, seven years. Imagine what that would look like and imagine what I could create then and imagine what I could do with that and imagine how much I could, more I could support my family, et cetera. So then you get to adjust from there. But most people don't even understand how to get to that baseline, right? And so that's why I like to think about It's about steps. It's okay. Like, what's the first step? Yeah. Just, in, just in the same way, you know the first step to creating a billion dollar business is not to go and create a billion dollar business the first step is to is to probably build a million dollar business <laughs> you know what i mean you've got to, you've got to work you got to work you got to work up if i went to the if i went to the gym and tried to deadlift 200 kilos right now i'd probably break my back right and so um, you know building up to these platforms and allowing ourselves to get to a greater place is in stages but i think cooking it down to actually something that's really really achievable is really cool because for a lot of people it might actually be five properties not 10 that they need to buy And all of a sudden, five properties versus 10 is so much more Achievable psychologically. It's not like you know, if someone goes on a diet and you're like, you're going to need to go on his diet for the next ten years. It's like, oh my god, psychologically, you're going to be like, I mean, bloody hell, this is full on. Versus if somebody said, hey, look, you only need to adjust your eating slightly, a little bit, and over the next twelve months, we're going to achieve. The goal. You know, like understanding how to bring that into a, into a more pragmatic reality. I think it's really, really important for people. It's, there's two points that I don't want to say on that before, and then I'll hand over to you, Charlie. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing it back. And I'll
1: you let know.
0: you go first. This, <laughs> <time>. <laughs> this is right. Uh, so the first thing I will say is <clears throat> I actually think that it comes back to a lot of limiting beliefs that people have. When they look at this and they say, is that even realistic? Can I even achieve, in your example, Goose, $60,000 worth of free cash flow every single year from an investment portfolio? Because they've, they've probably never done it. They're, people in their family or even in their network have probably never done it. So it's like this law of limiting beliefs of going, is this even possible? Then once it's proven, they're like, oh, well, now <laughs> all these things can completely open up. And the second thing I will say is the hilarious point is when you hit that number is how hard it is to negotiate or change that person once they've hit like this number, because it's almost like they've exited the matrix. And Charlie, I know you and I speak about this a bit. It's like, it's almost like this, everything just becomes a rainbow and they're just like, well, now I just get to do these things because I want to, not because I have to. And most people who are investing property and business and have businesses as business owners started it because they enjoyed the thing. So now they just go cool. I'm just going to choose the things that I actually want to do, which, funnily enough, generally creates more profit for them anyway <laughs> and unlocks more properties, etc.
1: I feel can like I, it's such an asshole problem, though, right? It's like you know how they say it totally money
2: is. doesn't buy happiness. <laughs> <Don't, and then laughs> that something. was great as <laughs> the greatest part to cut the, off. The, the, Goose, the, that's great. All right, I'm, I'm going to jump in there because what I think is really, really interesting is you can achieve so that psychological shift that happens when you don't have to do anything anymore. When you're like. Oh my god! I'm in control. Like I'm in control. Totally. I can do what I want when I, I'm. I'm like I am the master of my own universe. So that, that psychological shift is something that I wish for everyone. It is freaking because like I know I know personally. It doesn't matter how good your situation is or whatever. Everyone goes through tough times and everyone has to eat shit sometimes. When I'm when I'm eating shit, I get to remind myself that this is a choice you know i'm not there because i'm forced to be there i'm there because and i'm like and i literally go okay well i can do whatever i want with my life you know now doesn't mean you know so every situation is different but no no this is actually where i'm choosing to be because this is where i want to be and these are the challenges that i want to face and this is how i want to yep. live my life so now but here's the interesting thing here's the interesting point i want to make about that you don't have to wait until you hit that number to have that level of freedom in your life if you <laughs> if you knew that following a simple Set of steps would achieve that goal in a specified amount of time, how much more joyous would your life be? Because you wouldn't need to be afraid that you're never going to achieve that. So, even so, it's all well and good to say, Oh, yeah, I've hit the platform now. I'm cool and I've got this like degree of like uh, emotional certainty and clarity and calmness, and my anxiety levels are down and stuff like that. But if you're not there, but you can see that by simply doing X, Y, Z over X period of time, we'll get you there. Like, that allows you to make better decisions because, for example, before you get to that point, maybe your psychology is like, I need to scrimp and save every single dollar. I need to put everything into this because I might never get there. And you live in this state of kind of fear and anxiety of like, I need to push and drive. What if, just what if, theoretically, maybe you only needed to invest half of the amount of money that you're thinking about investing and you could actually spend the other half – enjoying life, going on a holiday, because you knew that, let's say you've got a $10,000 a month saving rate or $10,000 dividends out of the business, maybe you don't need to put $10,000 into your property portfolio every month. Maybe it's five. And maybe you could spend the other five traveling with your family. Maybe actually that life that you want, the life probably where you can travel around and live in different places and all that. Maybe you could do that like literally right now whilst also doing the thing that is going to get you to that other number now because you can have the optics on doing it. This is why I think optics is actually like because our reality is all what's in our mind. You know, like the entire reality that we create and that we live is what we perceive to be true. And so if we can psychologically understand and believe that, we have a pathway to our goals that we will get all of that kind of stuff. You actually start to get to live that reality now rather than putting it off to, the, to a distant future. And I think that that is one of the most liberating things that people can have. Like if you know all I need to do is this and I get to there, it's like, wow, okay, let's start living that life now.
1: So where did I drop out before? I bet you was right oh, where yeah. I said asshole, right? Would have been perfectly oh, literally. literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect, exactly what I was going for. <laughs> But Goose, lucky I got back here, and I apologize for the tech issues, guys, although I'm sure the conversation was fantastic without me. Um, Goose and Grant bringing the goods, definitely. But um, it's so interesting the way you frame that, because I look at many business owners who have had the years of struggle, right, the years when they made nothing in the beginning, and I almost feel that wiring creates scarcity, where they get to a point where they're finally making money, and they still remember that couple of years that was real hard. (laughs) So it's a very challenging thing to relinquish. And even in my own experience, I'm very aware I could retire tomorrow. It's possible. I've done the maths on every financial independence calculator on the internet just to check, and it's like a win on all of them. But it doesn't make it any easier for me in that perspective. Like there's something deeper we have to deal with rather than just having the money to be able to make that change. And to your point, it's not the, um, it's not environment-based. It's not having the money that makes it. You can be in a position of having far less and still create that reality. Now, Mm -hmm. I also wanted to bring into this, and you guys may have even touched on it, just how powerful it is to connect with people outside yourself or in your home when it comes to making these types of things, because when you're in that type of isolation, all your bias kicks in, where when you get to speak to people like Goose, or when you get to talk with a financial planner, or whether it's a business mentor, people that have crossed or seen more help kind of like uh, just bring clarity to a lot of these ideas. Hey, Goose, I believe you're actually offering uh, help to people with creating their portfolio plan. Where is the best place for them to come and get a copy of that or come and get involved and do a
2: growth plan with your team? 100 percent so um i might we might drop a uh, direct link in the show notes but if you head to dash.com.au you can check it out there just go to what do we do there's a bunch of services and stuff that we offer and you can book in a call have a chat with the team um you know 30 minute call get to understand you know what that looks like for you and whether it's even the the right decision um and we're just really passionate about helping people to move forward with this and, and get a plan together it's you know something that we really care about because we can see the impact that it makes on people's lives to give them that clarity and that certainty and it's it's two things there's the there's the uh there's the there's the aspirational aspect of it because you get to see where you're going in life there's also the risk management aspect of it as well right there's the what if the like how do we model this to make sure i don't run off a cliff and so we're particularly in the current environment where there is so much uncertainty we really feel like this is the this is the thing that can anchor people back to a sense of reality and allow them to make far better in, uh, decisions not just investing but in life so yeah dash.com.au now, if somebody's going to come and do that, I'm going to make
1: uh, a suggestion is they should probably work out their minimum viable life stuff from within this episode prior. So know your expenses, know the goal you would like to work towards in the timeline. And I suspect they'll get a lot more out of these sessions rather than trying to work that with, within the
2: call itself. Okay. Yeah, 100%. That's a, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, it's good if you can rock up on the call and say you know where you're trying to get to and when you're trying to get there and why you're trying to get there and what resources you've got available to get you there. It makes it a lot easier for us to help you. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the
1: podcast and putting up with this circus that is Grant and I and intermittent internet uh, challenges and talking over each other. But uh, once again, just extending something that I think is so relevant in this environment and so important. So big thank you for coming on the show. I'm going to wrap this one up here before my internet drops out again. I want to make sure that comes through before the next dropout.